It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is, well, I could boil it down to one word, silk. Yes, that silk, a 2012 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a two-time NCAA champion with the UCLA dynasty, a four-time NBA champion, three with the Lakers, one with the Warriors. Are you noticing a California trend here? And a three-time NBA All-Star, he is Jamal Wilkes. Jamal, thank you so kindly for, for spending some time with me this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure, Kyle, to uh, visit with you on behalf of the Hall of Fame, yeah. Before we get into details, uh, and we will get into details, can you just talk to me for a minute about how storybook your life really was? Kid from Berkeley, California, helps rewrite NCAA lore at UCLA, then wins three NBA titles with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, If this was a Hollywood script, they'd say it was too far-fetched, wouldn't they? (laughs) Well, yeah, they would. They might, anyway. I mean, I'm still pitching myself. Uh, You know, growing up in, uh, I was born in Berkeley, as you said, and when I was uh, still an infant, we moved uh, to the Island South and then landed in Southern California when I was five. And, uh, you know, like most youngsters, I played all sports. And uh, But as the height, you know, became obvious, uh, the high school, uh, local high school basketball coach when I was eight years old, you know, pulled me aside and said, son, you're pretty good, can you use your left hand? And, from there, it was just a, it was a nice introduction to the sport. He was a really nice guy, a well-respected man, and uh, took an interest in me, and then other people took an interest, and uh, it's just been an uh, incredible wave. And then, like you said, at the opening, it's been my whole career from California. You know, when you're a California guy, that's a pretty big deal. And, and so uh, I would say I'm very, very blessed and, and, and very fortunate to have not only played with and against the people of my era, not just the players, but the coaches, but more importantly to have known them and, and, and still know them. And it's just been a, a incredible run. And then to get inducted into the hall, you know, I'm still every day. It's like, it's new, it's fresh. So uh, it's been very, very special for me and my family. Now, I think about those uh, three consecutive Januaries, January 1971 to January 1974, when you talk about keeping it fresh for 88 consecutive games, your UCLA Bruins went out and won. I mean, it is still that mark. It just it, it, it staggers me. Uh, wh- when did that locker room start to realize that something truly special was happening? Yeah, that is a truly mind-boggling accomplishment, and uh, all the credit, you know, goes to Coach Wooden, obviously. I mean, he and he would be the first to say you got to have great players to win, but he just set the tone for that. I mean, during all that, uh, we, you know, we didn't have social media then, but we still, you know, had tremendous media coverage and, and alumni interest, and he was just so even killed about it all. I mean, it was just remarkable, uh, especially, you know, for, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old young men um, such as ourselves, as he would call us the young men under his supervision. But I think as we, you know, once we got to 60, 61, we, although coach didn't make a big deal about it, we were, the players, we would talk about it. And his demeanor, you know, although it discouraged that, but we still talked about it because we were hearing about it from everyone, the buzz and around campus and with the media. And 
when we got to the 50s, 55, you know, we started really taking note because the previous record had been 60 games by the Bill Russell, Casey Jones-led San Francisco Dons, another California team. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but once we went through 60, uh, it was just, I, I can't describe the feeling, Kyle, really. I mean, you know, we knew we were, uh, you know, we were doing something pretty special, but we just didn't know how special. And it wasn't like we didn't think we could lose, but we just never thought about losing. Sure. It just never, you know, entered our space. And, 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 and again, Prince Wooden, you know, kept myself, Bill Walton, all of us in line. I and mean, he, he just kind of created this bubble where uh, we just went out and did the best we could every night, didn't care what anybody thought. Uh, we just did the best we could. And he held us accountable to that, that we'd be able to look in the mirror and, and know we did our best. And, and you know, it, to know Coach, you know, as an icon is one thing, but know him as a person, you didn't want to let him down. I mean, he was such a sweet man, believe it or not. I mean, I was, he was very feisty, could be very competitive, could be very critical, but he was just a dear man. You just didn't want to be the one to let him down. And so, it, uh, you know, that, that was just an incredible, wave and, and I'm still digesting it quite frankly. God, I love hearing you talk about that. We're speaking of course with Jamal Wilkes, Silk. And uh you know, w- there are a few people in this game that we love so much that are as documented as coach John Wooden. I mean, he is he is if if there has been a figure that is as large as the game is itself, if not larger, Coach Wooden would be that figure. You talk about his sweetness and the way that he uh, he he made eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old men want to not let him down. What's is that the one thing that you wish more people knew about Coach Wooden? Are there any more qualities that you just wish the world knew more about him? Oh, there are many. Yeah, I mean, you know, not only do we not want to let him. <clears throat> let him down, but, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, he, it was just an environment. First of all, every day of practice, you had to bring your A game because there were so many great players. Oftentimes our practices were better than the games. And, <laughs> and, and, and he really, uh, was a master of practice, uh, in, in, in all ways, uh, technically, um, emotionally, um, you know, uh, Psychologically, and when I say that, I mean he didn't play a lot of he didn't play head games with me, but he just later, like like for instance, you know, the first day of practice, you know, he would say, "Hey, I, I may like some of you more than others. Hey, I'm human, but you know, on the on the basketball floor, it's it's not going to affect my decision." I mean, he made that very clear early on, and so you know, you didn't you weren't trying to uh, yeah, uh, you know get at his good graces by any other means than, uh, you know, going to class, which he expected, and performing on the basketball floor. So it just really opened it up. Uh, and and it, it really believed, and, and it was a, a level playing field. And uh, he was just tremendous that way. But he had meant, I, I guess, the one quality, which, which I just can't, share with people enough and I wish everyone knew about him was just how simply profound the man was. The man was so simple, so consistent, and yet it was just, you know, just brilliant. I mean, genius. But he was such a decent 
person. If you ran into him at a post office or a grocery store, you would never know that he was Coach Wood. He, he he just came off so different, and 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 he wasn't interested, and he didn't care about branding or self promotion or or he just cared about doing the best job he could for UCLA. And as the way he's put it, the words he would use, the young men under his supervision. And he really saw himself as a teacher first. And that's kind of, that's hard to believe in today's world. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not anti-branding and, and all that, you know, personal hype. And, um, uh, I, I, you know, I don't have an opinion on it. It is what it is. But he, he wasn't that way at all. And he, he just... <clears throat> wanted to do his job as best he could and, 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 and help the young men under his supervision. You know, I mean, he wanted to win basketball games. Make no mistake about it. But he, he was more long-term. Yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> to a man, uh, all of us, whether we played a lot or played a little, uh, it all came back to him. You know, years later, after the you know collegiate years, and and had personal relationships with him. It's unbelievable to hear these stories uh, from Jamal Wilkes about John Wooden. Now, in the NBA, your impact was felt up and down rosters and right away. Um, how did your game and approach change? You you had success right away. I mean, winning that first title with Golden State right out of the gate, and then those next three a few years later with the Lakers. How did how did your approach to the game change in that in that interim between that first year that rookie of the year year when you won that title to those years later after a little bit of a waiting game waiting for that next little run with the Showtime Lakers? Yeah, well, it, it was a quantum leap uh, from high school to college, and, a, and, a, and an even further quantum leap from college to the NBA. I mean, it was huge, and especially for myself who was. Uh, considered undersized, uh, you know, kind of a fan, really well fan player. And and, uh, and it wasn't as, it was a very difficult leap for me. It wasn't nearly as easy as it looks or it sounds. I mean, it was, it, it was one of the, if not the most, uh, biggest challenge of my life. I mean, uh, and so, uh, I shared a story, uh, my rookie year, we used to have rookie camp just for the rookies, and so uh, I went before the season started, and I was the number one pick of the team that year. And you know, of course, everyone is wants to look good against the number one pick to improve their stock and their chances to make the team. And in rookie camp, I totally bombed. I was a failure. I got dehydrated uh, uh, midway through, and, and you know they had to take me off in a stretcher with ice packs, and it was. It was not the way I would have wanted to start my NBA career, and it was further compounded because the previous first picks for five years for the Warriors had all been failures, bust, and so that's how I was looking. So that's how it started for me, <laughs> but it did wind up, uh, you know, with the championship and, and the rookie of the year, and and I really give credit uh, not only to Coach Wooden, but you know my all my coaches, but in particular my first high school co- coach, the one that uh, I met when I was eight, nine years old, uh, because they they really taught me 
and this is an overused word, but the fundamentals, the right techniques. Uh, and and I was able to, uh, after I bombed at that rookie camp, I was able to regroup. And, uh, well, plus I made a movie that summer. And so I was under the lights a lot, sweating, and thought that was pretty hot stuff and <laughs> found out that I wasn't. But uh, I was able to regroup. And although I, you know, I, I didn't maybe have the strength of the bulk, but I had the quickness and the footwork. And I was able to think back to what I would have to do to, to you know, uh, maximize my strengths on the floor and, and hopefully minimize my weaknesses. So it was a very, very uh, difficult uh, thing for me to do all the way around. Uh, uh, but, yes, it, it did end up, uh, it was definitely worth it. I mean, you know, it was definitely worth it. I, I'd love to talk a little bit about that movie that you made, which it's one of my favorite sports movies of all time, Cornbread Earl and Me, 1974. How does a young Jamal Wilkes end up, as you said, under those lights? How, how, does, how does Jamal Wilkes, before the NBA career, becomes the career that we all now know it did? How does he end up in Hollywood in a feature film? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I didn't study theater. I, I wasn't interested at all. Uh, it came out of the blue. There were a couple of fans, uh, a writer and a director, who came to a lot of UCLA games, and they approached me through Coach Wooden. And <laughs> so he called me in his office. He says, uh, you know, Keith, uh, <clears throat> you know, some people want to talk to you about making a movie. And I was like, my jaw opened and fell dropped. And I looked at him and I said, <clears throat> well, what do you think, Coach? <laughs> and he said, well, <clears throat> you know, uh, I don't think we'll be back and met him and talk to him about it and see what you thought. And so I did. And uh, I had to practice reading with him several times if I was interested. And I was interested after I heard the story. And, um, and uh, I did. And, and it had so much basketball footage in the movie, they thought it would be easier to convert an athlete into an actor rather than an actor into an athlete. And so, uh, you know, they they liked me and 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 I felt you know that you know I, I, I might be able to do this and then when I got to the set and met some of the other actors who I'd seen on TV for years, um, they were all so very very kind and gracious and warm and and they just you know wrapped their arms around me and just kept giving me tips and uh, and 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 it turned out so what what was just kind of a one-off or, you know, I'll try this. It, 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 I was very proud of it. it, it I think it's a decent movie, and uh, uh, but uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a serious actor. <laughs> well, I wasn't anyway. Then, I, then I'll scratch my next three questions what were, that were all going to be me pitching movie ideas to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jamal, I have one last question for you, and I really do appreciate your time here. Um, what does it mean for you to be working with the Hall of Fame at this stage in your life? Unbelievable. Uh, uh, you know, first of all, the, the, you know, I didn't play basketball to get in the Hall of Fame, but, but once I played it uh, and, and, and I got in, it was just so meaningful to me, and, and not only me, but my family, obviously. And One thing, my, my children never saw me play and they, they were just so blown away by the experience. And my mother was still living on. My dad had passed. But, 
it, it was just so, it was just a great family moment for our family, uh, first of all. And then uh, <clears throat> it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a renaissance for people sometimes, you know, it just kind of brings you back out there. And, and, uh, uh, and so it's great doing my, uh, you know, my work, my business and in conjunction with the hall, the hall of fame. And, uh, uh, it, 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 I'm still pinching myself. Uh, it, there's so many great players who are not in the hall of fame, uh, that, uh, to the end, it's, it's, it's truly, it's truly an honor. Um, it's truly an honor. He is a three-time NBA All-Star, a four-time NBA champion, a two-time NCAA champion, and a 2012 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee. He is Silk, Jamal Wilkes. Jamal, thanks again for your time. This has been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure.